Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 18, Hazardous to Your Health. Mary, what happened this week? Professor Finley wants tenure, but CU doesn't want to give it to him because he's the leader of a fucking cult. Not that Brandon knows that, which is why he's trying to help Kelly get him tenure. He talks to Dean Whitmore, who tells him about some questionable behavior exhibited by Finley at a retreat, and also complaints from his students' parents and the whole messianic teachings and trying to convert his students and stuff. Anyway, Brandon goes to talk to Finley, who goes from nice psych professor to angry creep in like no seconds. Kelly hears about Brandon's meeting through Finley, who says the establishment is out to get him and Brandon is also the establishment. Also, she calls him an extern because she's just deep in it now. She informs Brandon that she's Finley's research assistant. I mean, let's be honest, though. Brandon is the establishment. Brandon has always been the establishment. He has been, just not a very well-informed establishment. He's not, his foundation isn't too solid there. (laughs) I also really loved this storyline in the fact that Professor Finley kind of pulls a Brandon on Brandon. Yeah. And it's the one time ever that I'm just like, Brandon did nothing wrong. Why are you mad at him? No, 100%. I was fully on, like, the Brandon train this episode because he was just like, whoa, dude, I came in here trying to be nice. And then he's, like, trying to tell Kelly, like, I didn't really do anything. He started yelling at me. And everybody else is like, what did you do? (laughs) I know. She who has like known him for five years now has been dating him for months. Mm -hmm. Like her professor says one thing and she's like, well, obviously Brandon did that and just starts yelling at him. And like, he gets mad back. And it's the one time I'm like, you can get mad here. Mm -hmm. A hundred percent. I mean, I will say he did a couple of Brandon-y things in the Mm -hmm. episode. So we can't ignore that. I mean, just in the beginning, like, Kelly is at the beach apartment meditating and Brandon kind of walks in and he's clearly looking on in a very condescending way, in a very Brandon way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like interrupts her, which fine if they had plans and he's on time or something, but don't just interrupt somebody. Let them finish their meditation. Um, but then he like, he gets all weird about stuff. He gets like overly sexual about stuff. Yeah, and I, I guess to be fair to him, kind of, like, it's not fully excusable, but Kelly was supposed to meet him at the Peach Pit and then bailed because she was doing her uh, philosophy research, psychology research, something like that. Yes, um, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just wrote Kelly stood up Brandon at the Peach Pit, and then, yeah, he, like, walks in on her meditating where she's listening to Professor Finley himself because, of course, he recorded himself for these of meditating course. tapes that you know he sold to her. Oh, 100%. It was like sold as merch or whatever at the seminar probably. Yeah. I mean, it was def- like, you know, they talk about it later how he's like converting his students for seminars. So like these are totally paid seminars with paid tapes mm-hmm. and uh, paid – whatever he said he wasn't going to do anymore. We'll get there when we get there. Right. And so he's like hearing her listen to this and then she like gets out of it, whatever, stops doing it. And then he 
she tells Brandon that Professor Finley is or would say that Brandon is a quote unquote rough beast. Ew, first of all. Yeah. And Kelly is like convinced that Brandon is the rough beast, which like I get it if we're talking about his kissing. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know rough yeah. beast is not a good thing. Like in no. that tape I wrote down some of the things where like Finley calls the meditator a voyager and mentions like your shining self so then when you have mm-hmm. the rough beast like this is supposed to be a negative but yeah Brandon hears it sexually and is just like well I'm okay with your adult male professor calling me a rough beast and he's like I'll be your rough beast any day or like he doesn't say that but he says that yeah <laughs> and so this is when Kelly tells him that Finley's gotten denied tenure but like she gets real wordy about it and then he's Mm -hmm. like wait a minute he got denied tenure he's the most popular professor on campus Mm -hmm. and she says that he won't do any more tutorials until he gets an immediate appeal which is like kind of an abuse of power and like a little manipulative right I mean it's it's also bringing a sense of urgency urgency to something that probably doesn't need the urgency but exactly. Finley needs the urgency because he needs to keep grabbing followers or whatever. Um, and, of course, Brandon takes this opportunity to be like, well, don't you remember? I'm part of that task force that nobody really knows what we do. But we say things like undergraduate education and, and betterment of the education of the undergraduates and for their undergraduate education and all of that. He's like, I, you know, I, I could twist the dean's arm. And she's like. Well, sure. That sounds great. I knew this task force boyfriend of mine would come in handy (laughs) sometime. And literally, like, the next thing we see with him after they make out for a while and we cut away, thankfully, (laughs) is that Brandon goes to talk to the dean, who pretty immediately says, I can't do anything about this, which feels like what happens every time Brandon goes to talk to the dean. (laughs) Like, every time I feel like Dean is just like, why are you here again? Yeah, like... I really badly just want Dean Whitmore to be like, Brandon, what it is that you think I do? Like, <laughs> I I don't think you understand my job. You you think I do all these things, but really, I'm just a figurehead. <laughs> right? He's a, he's a manager. He manages the other people. And in this case, right. he manages the teacher's council, who are the people that vote and decide whether or not someone can get tenure. Yeah. And what was really weird and obviously major red flags for all of this is that Finley has kind of, or at least per Dean's uh, uh, retelling here, is that Finley was supposed to be working on a book and working on like actual anthologies and pieces of material because all other teachers have to do that as well. So it's not just like a him thing. All teachers are supposed to submit reports and papers and and things like that. And apparently he had said he was going to work on a book but instead decided to do these, like we mentioned, paid seminars. So he's already isolated himself in the sense that he's gonna, not going to follow the quote-unquote establishment. He's going to do his own thing to gain his own notoriety. And without the seminars, who knows if he would have gotten this notoriety. Yeah, and I think you know what's most important in this conversation is that the dean very specifically points out that in order to get tenure, you have to publish. And he didn't publish, but Finley is saying that it's because, you know, 
they're all out to get him and they're against his teachings and they want to like stop people from learning all this amazing stuff that he has to offer. Right. And the Dean even says like, you know, I'll deny if you ever repeat this, but apparently there were complaints about Finley's conduct during a weekend retreat and like how, how is this not huge red flags for Brandon? Well, and not only just red flags, but was there an investigation? You know, like, was this a more serious thing? How is Finley still teaching? Was he put on administrative leave? Like, what? obviously, the, the dean only wants to tell Brandon so much. But to the point of you saying, like, why isn't this a huge red flag for Brandon? Not just because Kelly is now attached to this person, but how is this person, this teacher, even still teaching? That's actually a really good thing that the task force to improve undergraduate education could work on. Right. Like being an independent counsel to investigate allegations. Right. Which I have no idea if the task force is even still a thing or if it was like a thing he was on before and he's just using his connections he made from the task force. I also found it very interesting that Dean said Chancellor Arnold himself recruited Finley. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if that's going to come back up. Well, and it does. Slightly. Not like in, in the sense of Chancellor Arnold himself, but later on, Finley says something about it. So once we get there, I'll mention it. But basically, like from there, Brandon is seen waiting in this really long line full of students just waiting to go see Finley, I guess, in his office hours or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kelly, does she walk out of Finley's office? I think so. I just know that she pulls him out of line and is just yeah. like, oh, no, you need to go to the front of the line. Yeah. So, like, I would assume the other students are mad that Brandon gets to skip the line, but Kelly basically gets him uh, a front uh, uh, front row pass or, or whatever, backstage pass, that's what I was trying to say, to see Professor Finley. And he gets right to the chase. I mean, like, Finley does. He He immediately, like sees Brandon as another potential convert, especially as Kelly's boyfriend. And he immediately wants Brandon to be like the torch bearer is what he says. He, he wants him to lead and I guess grab other people and, and be part of this thing. But then once Brandon initially like disagrees or just even says a word, the uh, Finley says, well, the Dean's already poisoned you. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he flips on a dime. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, he's saying all this stuff about wanting Brandon to be a torchbearer and he's willing to mobilize the campus, Mm -hmm. which, you know, we're supposed to think that this is something that Brandon could do. You know, he supposedly led the protest senior year so that Donna Martin could graduate. Like, he's presumably done things before that Finley's heard about and wants to use. And Brandon's just like, whoa, 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 there's a different way that we could do this you could address your critics head on. And if you address their concerns, maybe the teacher's council will be like, okay, those allegations are not as serious as we thought. And he can have tenure. 100%. That's when Finley's like, is this about the allegations? He's already poisoned your mind against me. Poisoned your mind against me. Did he describe my teachings as messianic? Which I think he did. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And then he goes, what's next? My classes are described as cults. And I was like, I mean, 
If it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. It's like, you said it, guy, not me. <laughs> exactly. He then says, like, I'm crucified as a heretic. Like, yeah. And this is also where he mentions Chancellor Arnold, as well as the dean, being against this whole thing. So I, I think Chancellor Arnold probably recruited Finley as a psychology professor, not as a cult leader. <laughs> so he, once he realized what he was doing, he's probably like, hey, dude, no, I'm not going to give you tenure. You're doing bad things. Which brings me to the point, again, how is he still a professor at CU? Like, yeah. you can fire him with cause at this point. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, when you get tenure, you get a lot more job security. But like we've said, you have to adhere to the rules of your contract. Like, if you're not publishing, you're not following your contract. It's like having you know, an employee review at the end of the year where they're like, well, you can't get a five because you didn't do the things you were legally, like contractually required to do. So you get a three. Right. People who just get like middling reviews do not get tenure. Well, and it's like, yeah, and people get so mad if they don't get that five, if they just get a three. But in reality, three is just doing your job. It doesn't yeah. mean you're doing anything like above and beyond, but you're still doing your job. You're still going to be retained. You're just not going to get any extra special benefits or not benefits. That's the wrong word, but like extra praise, you know, out of this or a potential raise or a potential this, that and the other. And yeah, if it's fine for him to believe that the dean and the chancellor are the establishment, not fine in a society and clearly a job that requires certain things for him to like just choose not to do it and still expect tenure yeah I mean this is very like narcissistic to me of the idea that like he's not doing his job but he still expects tenure and then like he's also heading up a cult like I feel like you do have to have some sort of a narcissistic personality disorder in order to start a cult totally hundred percent. And even Brandon, which like we've mentioned before, you know, is very familiar with temper and very familiar with just blowing up. And later, which we'll get to, you know, he describes Fenley as being paranoid. And literally my notes were just someone is super defensive and very aggressive for no reason. And and for no, um, you know, Brandon didn't say anything. He He said one thing. He said one thing. And then Fenley jumped down his throat. And then Brandon even says, like, hey, man, I came in here as an ally. And now he's, like, thinking in his head. You can see the wheels turning. I'm not an ally to this guy. Why would I ever be an ally to this guy? Yeah. And, I mean, Finley, like, keeps yelling at him, goes over to the door, opens it, and is like, Brandon, you need to leave. And he says he's willing to bring the campus to its knees. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, just in this one scene, he talks about mobilizing the campus, that his teachings are messianic, that he's leading a cult. Like, those were sarcastic, but, like, truly, there's a little bit of truth in there. Mm -hmm. And that he's willing to bring the campus to its knees if he doesn't get what he wants. Well, and in order to, uh, like, claim that the allegations and accusations against him are so ridiculous... You know, it's kind of that overcompensating thing of when somebody says something and they're just like, hey, man, what happened? And you just take it way over the top. Like he just thinks all these allegations are just so outlandish that he's like, well, I'm going to go the complete opposite direction. I'm going to make all of you guys follow me, which is just not the point <laughs> and horrible. Yeah. And like he literally I, we don't know 
technically what happens after Brandon leaves because we yeah. don't pick up until Kelly's back at the beach apartment. But presumably, like, he kicks Brandon out and then Kelly immediately goes in and Brandon and Kelly don't talk again. And this is when he starts, like, further kind of separating Kelly and Brandon. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to pick up on something that you said last week about how cult leaders, what they like to do is slowly separate you. And not just the leaders, but those who are in it and are in a leadership role. They like to subtly, um, but quickly, isolate you from your friends, your family, like all the people closest to you. And we immediately saw the, I guess, graduate assistant, teaching assistant, whoever. um, What was her name? Sarah? That sounds right. From last week, the one that was talking to Kelly and Val, she did that. She separated Kelly from Val immediately. Like Val left and then she was like, yeah, she's bad. You don't want to be with her. And then now we've seen it with Brandon, who arguably is the closest person to her. Um, I mean, obviously we know she's close with her mom and sister, but like oh, her she's not with like them all three. the time. Exactly. And she's <laughs> not with them all the time now. Right. So it would either have to have been David or Brandon and obviously it's been Brandon for the last however many months they've been together. So I just find that really fascinating that even if it wasn't the motive with Brandon walking into Finley's office, it certainly was the outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the David thing is interesting because that's kind of what I was thinking when Chancellor Arnold got brought up earlier. And then you made the comment of like Chancellor Arnold probably hired him as a psych professor and then like distanced himself after all these like culty allegations came up. Like my line of thinking went to, you know, what if Claire kind of got pulled into all this stuff too, but then like Chancellor Arnold was like, no, 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 that's a bad man. You don't want to be involved in this. And then like she has at least a little more insight into it because Chancellor Arnold is her father. And then she and David are going to be part of the reason that like Kelly gets pulled back out. I like that theory. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like yeah, I like that because you would think Claire as an intellectual person um, and with her dad knowing that about her would immediately want to pull her out of a situation like that. But then kind of after the fact, Claire realizing like, oh, yeah, that was that was bad. We need to get Kelly out of this. But for all we know, Kelly and Claire or I'm sorry, David and Claire or anybody else except for Valerie and Brandon even know that she's affiliated with him at this point. Well, yeah, because last episode when she came home and tried to tell them about her like enlightenment or whatever, they were like, we don't have time for this. We're mm-hmm. trying to run a club. Exactly. And I mean, yeah, like realistically, she went into his office and he just started using more of these cult words against Brandon. So like earlier in this episode, she was like, oh, he would call you a rough beast. Now Brandon's an extern. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was like. My mind Im- immediately went to, like, the opposite of an intern. Oh, same. <laughs> like, who has an internship, who has an externship, and I'm like, what does that mean? Like, they don't work for the company, but they do get paid? I Like, <laughs> I was trying to rationalize it in my mind of what this could be. Yeah, because she, she is, like, setting up a phone tree to, quote-unquote, be ready when Finley needs us. He's literally going to mobilize the campus against the teachers. Like, Ugh. how is this the kind of man you want to give tenure to? That means he never leaves. You know, Kelly tells Brandon she got hired on as a research assistant, which means 
like she's getting even closer to him. Like it's mm-hmm. not just that she's going to his seminars and buying his tapes. She is now working for him. Mm-hmm. And she's furious at Brandon for this meeting that she was not involved in and is only hearing the one person who she has known for two weeks tops. Right. And this is when she calls him the extern and Brandon's like, I don't know what that means. And she <laughs> says, it's his word for people who don't have a clue. Which is like the most teenage way of being involved in a cult I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it's like clearly this is a 19-year-old who's trying to like regurgitate what Professor Finley said, but she couldn't figure it out. So she's like, you're just an idiot, Brandon. (laughs) And like he gets mad at her back, which is fair. I mean, like this is – this fight sucks. I know. I mean, and it's so interesting too because I – with all that Kelly and Brandon have gone through – you know, just like independently, but then also together. It's like we finally, I think the three of us agree that this is the best match mm-hmm. thus far for Brandon. We haven't really seen Kelly date a lot, but like for all intents and purposes, this is a good, healthy relationship. Not anymore. I know. And I mean, he totally misses the point. He yeah. tells her, he's like, you're the one that wanted me to talk to him in the first place. So you have to take some responsibility for this going wrong, which is missing the point. Yeah, I felt like that was a little gaslighty there. It's very gaslighty. Just because I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes, it's her fault. She does not realize what's negative and what's bad about the situation. So you can't just tell her, find responsibility that you don't even know exists. Like, tell her what you heard. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, he doesn't – I think what's interesting here is I feel like if he – didn't gaslight her and instead told her exactly what Finley did of just like ganging up on him and yelling at him and refusing to talk to him and like accusing him of you know being against him Mm -hmm. I feel like that would go just as badly because Kelly's so into Finley at this point yeah that's I mean this is one of those situations where she's already too like in too deep Mm -hmm. so that reason may not work it may not it may be just as bad as fighting fire with fire yeah I mean like I assume this was just a fight and that like Mm -hmm. Brandon and Kelly haven't broken up yet but I feel like Finley is going to eventually influence Kelly to break up with Brandon yeah I think so too I mean because like we've seen in all of our like true cult stories that are out there it's the isolation piece it's the making decisions based on whatever the cult wants you to do, not what you actually want to do or what's good for you. Yeah. And especially like she's on this side of like mobilizing for Finley and Brandon is the establishment. Like he is going to be tasked to putting an end to this. Right. Ooh, yeah. So now they're like not even just on different sides individually. They're on different sides politically I don't know what the right word is there but like globally yeah Yeah, I get what you're saying it's like not only just like the two of them together it's now like Mm -hmm. much larger opposing sides yeah for sure which is wild who knew that task force would come back (laughs) I know right out of all the things that could have come back it couldn't have been Kyle it had to be the task force (laughs) oh Kyle that's because Kyle is out in New York having the time of his life and not thinking about 90210 at all he's finding a sweet boy to spend his time with and 
when he comes back to visit California, he's going surfing or right. playing volleyball. Yeah, he's going out for a run, then he's going to the yep. beach club where nobody else goes anymore, and he has not thought of the gang one bit since he graduated. Man, he was so cute. He was such a cute boy. I loved him so much. Anywho, well, task force, though. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is just going to keep building. Like, we do have, like, 12 more episodes this season. <laughs> And like I don't, do. I don't want it to be all the cult. I feel like at some yeah. point you do have to like cut it off, but I would not mind like five episodes of cult. Oh yeah, I need a good solid arc here. Like not just a couple episodes to just tell us like up and down, but and not the whole season, but I like that it was inserted later and like after this cuz you know, for all intents and purposes, this show hasn't really given us much of a overarching plot. Across mm-hmm. the whole, I think that's hard with such a large ensemble cast, but we've had little mini stories along the way, little mini arcs, and and this was a good one because I think it was needed. Yeah, I mean, I like this. Who would have thought that we would have started this semester with Kelly wanting to become a model and ended it, or at least like hit the halfway point with her joining a cult? Wild. Such a journey. I mean, and let's let's give credit where credit is due. This show is making things interesting in a 30-plus episode season. <laughs> I know. Like, the idea that, yeah, we're 18 episodes in, and I'm not like, oh, my God, we're only 18 episodes in. I'm, like, excited. Yeah, I'm happy where things are going, which, yeah. if we don't have anything else to talk about this story, I'm really excited about what else happened this episode. I'm so ready to talk about it. <laughs> Andrea made the dean's list. Dr. Laundry <laughs> saved Hannah from getting pneumonia, apparently. Steve is taking three similar classes next semester, so he only has to write one paper. And D- David and Claire like different music. But who gives a shit? This is a Dylan episode. <laughs> Dylan goes to Punta Brava, where he finds Jonesy very much on top of this case of beer. But don't worry, he's really got this whole finding the money thing under control, except for the prettier half of his plan just left the country. Good thing Dylan knows somebody who's also pretty and very good at lying. Val flies down to join them and quickly proves how awesome she is at thinking on her feet and helps Jonesy win over Suzanne and Kevin, I mean Carl and Kitty Cavendish. Once they steal back Dylan's money, Jonesy says, see you later, bye, But Dylan stays behind with Val to kidnap, I mean rescue, Erica from Suzanne slash Kitty and Kevin slash Carl. It all goes completely wrong until it doesn't. I mean, talk about like adrenaline pumping, good banter, manipulation skills, Jonesy on point. (laughs) Like, I just, I honestly just want to like dive right into it because so the first scene where Dylan is packing up to leave and he like gets that little picture of Erica to put in his pocket and then he like hears a knock at the door and it's Val inviting herself in with scones and I was like what is the point of this this means nothing to me like we're past this this is a stupid scene but they brought it like it all fit together it had to happen oh yeah and I just the confidence that Valerie has I I cannot with her like because you know, we needed a Brenda replacement, which we do mm-hmm. get a Brenda mention, I just have to say. We're hashtag blessed for that. But 
we needed a Brenda replacement. And I think Valerie has done such or, or rather Tiffany Amber Thiessen has done such a great job of not just being Brenda 2.0, but being different because Brenda had this confidence when it came to Dylan. She always did. But Valerie's confidence is just different because they're not together. She, I think, still has feelings for him, but there's nothing there, at least on Dylan's side. And But still, just the confidence to be like, hey, brought you some scones, like whatever. And he's like, I don't even like scones or whatever he says. And still, she's like, ah, whatever. And then just like they get into a little fight and then she storms out. But then she still freaking like comes through. I, I love her. I, I think she's great. So I I do have a question here. <laughs> Is she dating Steve? Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Cuz if she's dating Steve, who she had sex with during a fire like episodes oh ago, very recently, and she's showing up at Dylan's with breakfast unannounced, like I don't like that. I don't like it either, but I love it. <laughs> like like, like that's uh this is what they're they get me here because like I love it when she's like, Oh, I brought scones. At least they are glad to see me. And he's like, You know I'm not the only guy on your bakery route. Get out of here. Oh my god. No, it's this is my problem. Listeners, you should know this about me, which you probably do after listening to however many episodes we've done now, but I love complicated, strong female characters. Uh, and I don't just mean strong female characters because I, I would also put like strong male characters in that. So I'm not just trying to say strong female as if females on their own aren't strong. But I literally mean a like strong, complicated, messy bitch. Like that is my favorite kind of character. And Valerie qualifies as that. And so much so that I have such a blind spot that I don't even rem- remember that she was already into a dude and slept with him mere episodes ago. <laughs> well, I mean... I guess to be fair to her, like we barely even get Steve. I think he shows up in this episode for like contractual reasons. <laughs> Probably. I mean, as does Andrea as, and right. David and Claire for that matter. Yeah. Which got to be honest, Donna is not in this episode. I don't think she's not. I'm like, yeah, she could have just been at the peach pit. She could have been in the, in the car with Donna or Claire and David. That's true. That's true. But we're not there yet because Dylan is flying down to Mexico, Punta Brava, Mexico, which is not Brazil. Mm-hmm. I was very confused for a minute. <laughs> and then I guess Jonesy's supposed to pick him up from the airport. He doesn't. So Dylan gets a taxi to take him to the Hotel Consuelo where Jonesy is passed out. Mm-hmm. And also, Dylan is hanging on for his poor dear life in that station wagon cab ride. <laughs> they spent a lot of time on that cab ride. There was like a minute of cab ride. It was a choice. It was, it was our montage for the week. Like, we ha- we didn't have flowers to look at, so they gave <laughs> us crazy, crazy driving. Um, I for sure thought they were going to hit those kids. Like, the way they were peeling around that corner and, like, there was a family just playing in the street. I was like... You're coming way too fast. Guys, get out of the way. (laughs) Like, do you think the writers consistently, like, accidentally write 43-minute episodes and they're like, it needs to be 44. What are you doing? (laughs) I mean, Throw the flowers in. Right? Like, God, they waste so much time just getting B-roll. Like, give me me more dialogue. I'll take it. 
Whoever times it just reads really slow. (laughs) (laughs) The table reads just like go a teeny bit slower than when they act because they all get so angry. They talk faster. So I noticed that. And that was actually something that was very uh, prevalent. This entire episode was the yelling. Because even Luke Perry, his choice with Jonesy is basically to yell or not talk at all. (laughs) Yeah, he screams at Jonesy, I want to say three times. At least. And like kicks his bed when he goes to his room. Um, Like kicks his bed, bangs everything just to get him to wake up. Homie's already awake. He's just choosing to lay down like Dylan. (laughs) And I love that he's like, oh, I had a setback. And yeah, the woman we saw like racing through the airport is apparently his coworker. And she bailed on the plan. But I love that Josie like stands up and he's like, I'm a total professional. As he has to like (laughs) lean against the wall to keep himself upright. Yep. I love Josie. I love even like that he was sleeping with a pillow between his knees on that little twin bed. I noticed that too. I was like, oh, that makes him sleep better. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get this like brief interlude at the peach pit. That's like kind of supposed to be the introduction to Brandon and Kelly. But yeah, it's basically Andrea made the Dean's list. She's amazed she made the Dean's list because the baby was sick. Thank God for Dr. Laundry. And apparently she has been bragging about Dr. Laundry to Cindy. Which, why? I mean, I guess, like, sure, he saved your daughter from pneumonia, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I guess he saved your baby's life. (laughs) Why you gotta talk about it? Yeah, she's not talking about his talented, you know, diagnosis here. Well, and then I love that she starts blushing and Steve and Brandon are making fun of her because, like, they really think it's nothing. They're like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. you're having impure thoughts. That's so funny because you're Andrea. And, like, us as the viewer are like, guys, no, she's going to cheat. She's going to yeah. leave Jesse. <laughs> yeah, Steve, Brandon, stop being dummies. Like, recognize signs of infidelity. Right? Hot doctor saved her baby's life versus law student who knocked her up. Ooh. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Jesse, but does Andrea? To be continued. Quite literally, because we walk away (laughs) from them and never see them again this episode. Well, yeah, and we get that other little tiny scene of David and Claire because Brandon is walking out of the peach pit and David's trying to convince Claire to turn the pee pad into a hip-hop club, which, yes, they absolutely should do that. And Claire just thinks that hip-hop is boring and wants to make it into, like, an alternative club. And David, surprisingly so, shits on alternative music. Because I know the homie homie loves his hip-hop, and I am totally fully support that. But he also strikes me as a music lover, not just a one-genre-and-stick-to-it lover. Same. Do y'all remember the conversation we had off mic a few weeks ago about who in the group would love 311? Oh, did we pick David? I think we did. And so I literally wrote, David hates alt rock. So I guess he hates 311. (laughs) (laughs) See, I would have thought David would. I totally would have thought that. And then he goes on to say, we're not booking any downer bands. And, like, Ray is not a downer band, but he's not exactly the most hype of a band. I also would not call him hip-hop. <laughs> Very true. 
Also, we still don't know how his show went. So I went back and I looked. I did find a couple of deleted scenes of him singing. So at the house party that ended in the fire, I did find a YouTube clip of him singing. And it's like actually pretty long because uh, Val and Kelly are standing there. I think it's Val and Kelly. It might be Val and Donna. But Val is like, oh, my God, this Ray guy is pretty good. And then... Uh, Steve is also there and talking and then Griffin comes up to him and is like, oh my God, I cannot believe that you booked this guy. Like, that's the guy that made me look like a fool in front of Donna. And Steve is like, get over yourself. You you guys broke up. Whatever. Like, really good scene for Steve. <laughs> and then the lights go out and Griffin's like, ugh, fine. I'll go fix it. Like, And did that lead to the fire? I think it's just one of the many times that he had to like okay. mess with it. But I was about to say, like, that huge if so. (laughs) Yeah, because so it had the clip that I found had that and then it had what's on the DVDs, which is literally like people going upstairs and then the lights go out and everybody down on the dance floor is yelling like party or lights or whatever they were yelling. Wow. But yeah, we missed like a minute and a half. So I'm realizing anytime the episode is like 42 and a half minutes. That means they've cut Ray out of it. (laughs) Specifically Ray singing. (laughs) I mean, it has to be. I also found a YouTube clip of him singing when Donna, like, the first time she meets him. What? Oh, because Blaine's the freaking guitar. Well, that and the other contractor folks calling him Elvis. He's our Elvis or whatever. Yeah. He says, oh, you're talking about our Elvis? Then it cuts to Ray singing and then Donna comes in. Guys, (laughs) Guys, <laughs> we need Ray content. I'm just like really upset that our most dramatic episode could have been more dramatic. Right? <laughs> like, it, and the thing is, like, it was actually a scene where Steve didn't suck. Right. And, and you he's know like, I taking, crave that. Well, of course. And like, he's defending Donna and he's like, I, yeah. Come on, man. And like we get a little bit more Griffin anger, which to be honest, it really seemed like at the time the fire that Griffin started kind of came out of nowhere. Like we know he was mad, but like mad enough to commit arson. Well, and like, yeah, we saw him, I think, change the plugs like once. And then um, I don't remember the name of the caterer, but he was like, man, you're going to blow that fuse. And Griffin's like, shut up. I know. But like we could have seen him like getting mad about it multiple times in the episode exactly i also find it very interesting that jamie walters's music is cut from the episodes when like he's an actor that was on the show and has been involved with it like in the past i feel like he should have just been like yeah sure you can have my stuff to put the extra 10 minutes back in the season gosh missed opportunities yeah and i mean i know Like, Jamie Walters, as an actor, had some issues with this show because people weren't able to separate, like, actor from uh, character because we have seen spoilers about what Ray turns into. But he also came back for the reboot. So I feel like just, just let them put the music in the DVDs. I just bought the entire series, so it doesn't do me any good. But just let them do it. Well, and I think we've even heard from some of our listeners, like, it was a big deal getting Jamie Walters on the show to begin with. 
And obviously they weren't happy with what ended up happening to his character, but they were really excited to have him on the show and to just not have any of his music. That sucks. Right? Like, that's kind of like, you know, the nail in the coffin or the final straw or something. Like, Mm -hmm. you already get this guy who is, like, you know, apparently a big name in music at the time. Then you give him a character that is abusive and, like, borderline ruin his career because fans just can't handle that. Yeah. And then you don't even, like, put his music in. Ugh. So we don't even get to know Ray that we could like. We're just going to see bad Ray. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad we talked about this, like, five-second scene for five minutes. <laughs> hey, sometimes things are important, and you got to focus on them. I mean, who knew this scene could be so significant, but it all started with who likes 311. <laughs> I also – and – Speaking of, uh, David drives a Jeep that has, like, no sides or roof or anything, and that feels like the perfect car to blast 311 while you're on the PCH. 100%. Like, that Jeep just feels very David. As soon as I saw he was driving that car, I was like, I'm glad that that's what he drives. But in reality, he's driving Claire's car. Oh, I would love that, too. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, well, we have gone on a wild tangent. Let's get back to the main event. Um, uh, you mean where back- Dylan, Dylan and Jonesy are rising, riding horses on the beach and Dylan has his shirt unbuttoned? Cause why not? Uh, yeah, he needed to, obviously. <laughs> if he didn't at least have a couple buttons, that thing would fly right off and I wouldn't complain, but you know, it would have been hard to get that shirt back. Is there any other way to ride horses on a beach? <laughs> With Jonesy? First of all, why were they on horses? I, I don't, walking wasn't. Fast enough, I guess. Right. Like, I feel like if I were standing on the patio of my villa and two men came up on horseback, I would be looking at them a lot more than if I just saw people walking the beach. Exactly. But I guess they're far enough away because, like, Jonesy pulls out his binoculars and sure enough, we see Kevin and Suzanne, but are informed that they're not now Carl and Kitty Cavendish, but Erica's still Erica. She doesn't need an alias. Which is just... A choice. She's just like Cher. She needs no other name. <laughs> and yeah, we find out they apparently just got here from Brazil. They signed a year-long lease on this place. And apparently they were smuggling in Brazil. Yep. So Jonesy goes on to tell Dylan that they've got like 50000 in a regular bank account, but the rest of the money is hiding. And he's got a tap on their phone. So he, like, has all this information about them, that Kevin going as Carl really loves pirate memorabilia and that Kitty isn't sleeping with Carl, both of which he uses for his plan. Yes. And apparently the former lady that we saw in the airport um, and Jonesy says was part of the plan, but is no longer there. She she was part of it. She was going to help basically help Jonesy get more information out of them to confirm the bank accounts, to confirm how they can get the rest of the money. So Dylan, he's like, oh, my ears perked up. I know another person who would be down to clown and get me help get me my money back. Uh, I think the actual phrase that Jones uses is he needs someone who lies like a rug and can tease like a sleaze. I didn't write it down because I thought it was Chris. <laughs> I hated it so much. And like the idea that he said that, and Dylan's like, 
oh, Valerie sounds like she's available. (laughs) I mean, it sucks a little bit, too, not to just be known as a person like that, but also that, like, Dylan can just call her and convince her to come down. Like, I I don't love that aspect of their relationship, that he's very, like, in control and can just get her to drop everything and come to Punta Brava. So, you know, don't love that. But I just, I also love how good Valerie ends up being at this. So, they're still fun here. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that we got her down to Mexico. But, yeah, this scene of getting her to Mexico Mm -hmm. really made me just a little bit angry. Like, we go back to the Walsh's house. Valerie is getting ready for an event at the Chamber of Commerce. Jim is being honored. And that's when Dylan calls and says he needs her. So she goes to the top of the stairs. Everybody's getting ready to leave. Jim, Cindy, Kelly, Brandon. And she says that she can't go tonight because her friend Ginger is on the phone, is really upset. She probably needs to go to Buffalo. Kelly makes the most amazing face. Her (laughs) eye roll could like kill something. Oh yeah. It was like a, it was the most dramatic and I've never seen eyes move that circularly. (laughs) It was so much. It was like the smug look at Brandon, the eye roll back and then her never a dull moment comment. Yeah. She's like to Buffalo. (laughs) But then something about the scene bothered me. I mean, a couple of things. First of all, I thought Val was just in like a slip. I was like, that's your Same. dress? <laughs> that was like very clingy for oh, an yeah. event with like your dad's friend. And like at a government building. I Yeah. But then the second thing, so she bails. Jim very much overreacts. Yeah. He like he even says like. Somebody says, why would she lie? I think it was Cindy. Cindy says, why would she lie? And then Jim says, because she has no shame. First of all, when have they ever had a tumultuous relationship? Like up until this point, all we've known is like Jim and Cindy to be very, very empathetic towards Valerie for the situation because like her parents were their best friends. I, I was just like, since when is Jim so feisty? Well, so there was the whole thing with Dylan I guess earlier this season, so much happens each season. I always want to say last season because it's Mm -hmm. been so long, but it really was the beginning of the season. And remember, Jim got furious with her that she started hanging out with Dylan. But then when she tried to leave, Brandon was like, oh, my parents will forgive you like five times. Like, they'll never stop forgiving you. And yeah, we haven't seen anything bad happen since then. Like, as far as we know, Jim doesn't know that she went to the Bahamas instead of Buffalo, which also none of his business. Who cares? Right. Uh, she passed all of her classes. She got A's in psychology. Right. And then she lies this one time and he's just like, she has no shame. I hate her. Get out. Well, and it's like, how does he know she's lying? Like, I know it sounds a little fishy, but like, she's never, to his knowledge, she's never she's never been painted as like a pathological liar in his mind. And like, I was even thinking about it and it was almost like the writers wrote this, like Jim knew that she would almost like Jim knew that Dylan was down in Mexico and 
she, yeah. he was calling her to come to the it was almost like jim knew too much like, like that's yeah. what it seems like jim only gets that mad when dylan's involved yeah exactly but he doesn't know that nobody knows that yeah it made no like okay she lied why do you all have to make such like this is yeah. why i wouldn't want to live in the walsh house they suck <laughs> yeah i'd live in the taylor house probably right i don't know jackie seems a little much sometimes she seems Honestly, much, but she also seems like she would just be with Aaron the whole time because she's still a baby, you know, or not a baby, but like a little toddler. So I think I would be the kind of person that like lives in the Walsh house and like literally just sleeps there when I can't mm -hmm. go like crash at a friend's house. That's fair. Like I would not be like, yes, yeah, sure. I'll go to this black tie event at the Chamber of Commerce with you. I'd be like, no, I'm in college. I don't want to. She's also like a fifth wheel here. Like, no, thank you. Yeah, and they're pissed that she doesn't want to go. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, you can now take one car. I. <laughs> Anywho, thankfully, we get back to Jonesy because he's always entertaining. And he is just cracking a raw egg into his glass and just downs it. And you know that was real. It was so gross. <laughs> so gross. Boomy makes a big time appearance here. Did you guys see him? Uh, no, I noticed him the other times. Yeah, the oh other God. times. Well, he stuck around for a long time this time. He was I just mean, like bobbing. He came to Mexico. Who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, he wanted that free trip. Uh, yeah, because this is when like Jonesy is telling Dylan that half of his jobs are with the government cleaning up their dirty work, which is why he doesn't specifically work for the FBI. Mm-hmm. Then Valerie shows up and Dylan tells Jonesy to give her a test run. So he like runs up and starts kissing her and like picking her up and spinning her around. And like you can purposefully lie other times and like still have like if I was Valerie, I'd have been like, excuse me, I don't know you. Mm -hmm. And like assault. Well, and I think, yeah, no, 100%. But I think, too, what would have been an easier test, or not an easier test, but, like, a less assaulty test would have been for Dylan to be dressed in his little clip-on tie and his hat to approach Valerie and say, can I take your bags, ma'am, and see if she goes along with it. Yeah, yeah, that would have been so much better than some random man twice her age picking her up and kissing her. Yep, because then Jonesy could have popped up right next to Dylan the valet and been like, honey, he already put my bags in the car. I'm so glad you're, like, you know, done something a little less gross. Yeah. I mean, like, Jonesy is a character, and he's real fun, but he is so gross with Val. So gross. Everybody in this episode is gross with Val. Everybody Ugh. is. Ugh. I know. I feel so bad. And, like... This would have been written so differently today. Yeah, so this would never have passed. No. They would have figured out a different way. First of all, I think there would have been already like a double date situation. Like mm -hmm. Jonesy and Dylan would have had another person by their side. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it was it was Ugh. uncomfortable at times. <laughs> yeah. So they – they get past that somehow because, again, if I was Val, I'd have been like, mm, I don't know about this. But Jonesy has them up in this resort that, you know, one of his old buddies knows so that they can pretend to be uber rich. 
And it's at this resort that Suzanne and Kevin go to like have drinks, get massages, et cetera, et cetera. So he knows they're going to be there that night at cocktail hour. And that's when he can stage the run in and Dylan is just supposed to lay low. Right. Yeah. He says, I suggest you find some very large checkers. Because you see the little like, not little, but the giant chess pieces behind them. And I like I literally had this thought like, oh, how resorts like how far resorts have come since then. Like just the cutting of the chess pieces and the material they're made out of. Yeah, I was like, I love, first of all, that they had this back then. I mean, it was only 30 years ago, but it's come so far. <laughs> right? Like, this is not the kind of resort entertainment you have today. Right, exactly. I'm just thinking, like, there was no swim-up bar in the pool. Like, there was no DJ, you know, Jonesy or whatever. <laughs> DJ Jonesy. I can't imagine what he would listen to. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, I get like freeform jazz vibes from him. I don't know why. <laughs> He's a very like, like Leonard Skinner and like a lot of, Ooh. I feel yeah. like he listens to a lot of like Southern rock. Southern rock. Ooh. Yeah. But yeah, I did love though that he kept calling Dylan his manservant. That was funny. I loved watching Dylan have to carry those bags around. <laughs> I know. Can we talk about his clip-on tie real quick? <laughs> it was so cute. <laughs> like, why couldn't they just give him a tie? <laughs> why did I have to clip on? He's on, he's on a budget. He doesn't have his $8 million yet. That's right. Oh, my gosh. This is coming out of his cut of the money. Exactly. Jonesy even says that later on. Like, hey, man, this is coming out of your cut. Oh, man. But yeah, so they finally get to like where they're going to be for the cocktails with the Cavendishes. And upon arrival, Jonesy immediately just like tosses his drink on Suzanne or Kitty, whatever. I'm going to call her Suzanne. Yeah, I just called him Kevin and Suzanne. Yeah. And so now Val is just left alone with Kevin. It's so gross. Like she's like, oh, my God, please sit down. We feel so bad. Just like keep me company. And then he says, for such a young lady, you do have impeccable manners. <sighs> right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I cannot with, because it doesn't help that Kevin still has his mustache. He's still Geraldo. <laughs> yeah. It does not help. And thankfully, Jonesy doesn't take too, too long. He comes back. And Val is, like, visibly relieved, which is saying something, that she feels more comfortable with Jonesy. Um, but she's super happy that he's back, and that's when Kevin and Jonesy are able to talk about their pirate collectibles. Which is, like, <laughs> so obvious. The fact that Kevin chose his fake name to be Cavendish, and Jonesy's like, oh, Punta Brava was uh, founded by the pirate Cavendish. I was like, come on. I know. It's like way too on the nose. <laughs> I also really love, like, Kevin just falls for it. These are scam artists that are falling for this. And he's immediately just like, I'm a big collector of piratical material. Piratical. Is that a word? Who knows? I have no idea and I won't look it up. To those in the business, it is a word. It's the word. <laughs> I just love it. So piratical material piratical not that's what I I'm collect gonna, pirate stuff <laughs> that's what I'm gonna call all the times that we like 
streamed LimeWire like as kids. Oh, I was just consuming piratical material. <laughs> I was a connoisseur of piratical material when I was 11. It was just Nellie's hot in hair, like a really bootleg version. <laughs> if you were lucky, or it was 36 covers of hot in here and not the original. <laughs> or it was the uh, Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with somebody where it skips every third word. <laughs> so if you're like me, you didn't know all the lyrics for a really long time. <laughs> oh my God. Remember but LimeWire. It, was, it crashed my computer about a hundred times until it finally died. <laughs> I mean, whose didn't? Yeah. Oh, man. How did our parents, like, deal with us? Just crashing our computers, giving our computers viruses, like, left and right, and still somehow, like, buying the antivirus or (laughs) buying a new computer. My parents are technologically illiterate, and I'm sure that's the only reason I wasn't grounded from 11 to 15. Well, and also, yeah, to that point, my mom was like, what happened? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, my parents would have been like, what happened? You're literally the only one who knows how to use this laptop. What's wrong with it? And I was like, Mm -hmm. it just died. You know, computers get viruses just like people. (laughs) I think I caught it. (laughs) I didn't realize it'd be contagious, but here we are. I have to go lie down. (laughs) Don't ask me any more questions. I'm going to go listen to Hot in Here. (laughs) Hot in Here. Oh. Anywho, so, you know, (laughs) Kevin was just a founder of LimeWire, is what he's saying. I mean, what does he call himself later? He's on the cutting edge of cyber finance. Right? He was was finding Bitcoin. Kevin Kevin would have invented torrents. Well, and that's the... (laughs) Crypto bro Kev. (laughs) Think about it. He was literally mining with his little shovel on the beach for cryptocurrency. (laughs) I bet he would call it like doubloons or something. He oh my god! Would. And then he made treasure maps. That's his selling opportunity. Oh man, Kevin, what a wasted opportunity! Too bad you were like real shitty with your security. <laughs> we'll we'll have to get to the cutting edge of cyber finance when we get there yes. because I have so many thoughts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But right now, while they're all having drinks, Erica is out shopping with her minders, I guess. Like, it does feel like these people are essentially security for her. Yeah. And Dylan is following them. And they walk to, like, go to the butcher shop where Erica is looking at bottles. And Dylan just walks right up to her and is, like, looking at her around the corner. And is like, don't look at me. (laughs) It's like, Dylan, turn around. Well, and also he was like, don't look at me. Don't talk to me. And then he like asked her questions. I'm like, Dylan, you're not a good like PI here or whatever it is. You're a spy, whatever you're trying to be. He's so bad at this job. Like he totally gets spotted when he leaves because she walks away and then he immediately walks out from around the corner. Like, wait five seconds. Literally wait till they drive away. But yeah, he walks out and the driver was well like just short of going like this and to the viewers I'm like doing that thing where you take your two fingers and point to your eyes and then look at the other person and then point your fingers at their eyes you know I'm talking about it's weird to explain it but that he pretty much did that to Dylan and then rightfully so goes and tells Kevin what he saw yeah and like Jonesy and Dylan are fighting and Dylan's like Erica wouldn't say anything and I'm like other people saw you they literally saw you you're so dumb 
so dumb. But, but at least Valerie was there and did a great job, apparently, of what? I don't know. But she did a good job. Uh, and, you know, Dylan or Valerie went to go take a shower, rightfully so. She probably needed it. Yeah. And they talked before bed about the whole situation. I will say he does actually do a good job here of, like, checking in with her. Mm-hmm. It's a little too late for my liking, but he does, like want to make sure she's comfortable with the plans that they have set forth and things like that so you know that's nice yeah I mean I appreciate that like he's at least trying to comfort her because especially at the beginning of this episode he showed no interest in being nice to her and now he's at least like I know this is skeevy but you're good right Mm -hmm. because I mean I hate to say, I feel like Valve really has no choice. Like, she has to at least stick this out for another day or two. And, like, thankfully she's good at, like, playing people off. But the idea that she had to walk around in a bikini around Kevin for the next, like, 36 hours makes me sick to my stomach. Well, even around Jonesy, too. But, yeah, like, at least, you know, she's sort of getting to know Jonesy on a legitimate level, not just as a mark or something. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, like to have to be in that bikini around Kevin. Ugh. Yeah, because like Jonesy is really gross, too. I mm-hmm. guess, you know, the only benefit we have of Jonesy is that Dylan trusts him and he's actually like working with Dylan to get his money back. Well, yeah, he's seemingly, quote unquote, harmless in yeah. the situation. Yeah, because the next day is when Suzanne and Kevin go fishing with Jonesy and Val on a yacht. Mm-hmm. And they both catch giant, like, marlins or whatever fish those are. Like, mm-hmm. those were huge. Huge. And that's when Kevin and Jonesy go to talk business because Kevin's like, cut the crap. I know you do something. Yeah. Which is playing perfectly into Jonesy's hands. And so while they're going to talk about business or whatever, Val and Suzanne are starting to talk about Erica which then Val makes a comment about how Erica isn't, um, or, or Val makes a comment about Erica, and then Suzanne makes a comment about how Erica isn't Kevin's. And yeah. little did, obviously Suzanne didn't know this, but Dylan's been listening in this whole time. Yeah, and she even like says, you know, she always liked Erica's dad, but Jack died years ago. Like she is still sticking to this story that Jack is Erica's dad, which, you know, as much as all this sucks for Dylan, I feel like that does probably, like, put him a little bit at ease. Mm-hmm. Be like, at least I wasn't just, like, a random mark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and at least, like, at least something positive, you know, however you want to phrase it, came out of her relationship with Jack. And she wasn't just playing him or something like that. Um, so, yeah. So, but now Val gets a little bit more insight into Dylan's life that she didn't have before either. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if they ever talk about that. But mm-hmm. but then Carl and Jonesy come – or Kevin, Carl, whatever. Yeah. Comes back to Val and um, Suzanne. And this is when Kevin says to Suzanne, like, hey, you know, they're smugglers too. <laughs> they're, he says he's a taxidermist, but they just smuggle all their shit in the marlin. <laughs> and, yeah, this is when I noticed Boomy come in to be like, smuggling? <laughs> Go I'm on. sorry. Are you talking about illegal activity? I know you wouldn't really be talking about illegal activity, not while I'm standing here. <laughs> I'm recording you, mister. 
And this is where uh, Suzanne wants to go back to the hotel because she's getting a massage. Jonesy says he'll go with her, which is really just like to get him back to the massage, back to the hotel so mm-hmm. that he can continue spying. And Kevin takes Val to go look at his piratical materials. Ugh. I know. And this is when they talk about banking and cyber finance. When he pulls out this laptop, goes to his own bank's website, and logs in with her right behind him. I was like, Kevin is the stupidest con artist I've ever met in my life. Well, and the only thing you like think that is going through Kevin's mind is that Valerie may not have much experience with computers. So no matter how slow he types, she won't be able to like record what his password is. You know, because she's not used to typing on a computer or something. But no, he like legitimately just like tap, 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 enter. And he's in their seven and a half million dollar bank account. Which, okay, so Jonesy like basically gets in right after him. Mm -hmm. Which like the idea that he logged into his actual bank account with a random woman he met yesterday blows my mind. (laughs) Being on the cutting edge of cyber finance. Right. Sir. Um, <laughs> Jonesy goes into this weird monologue about how this isn't computers, this is video games. I was like, video games are computers. <laughs> that's that's literally what they are. <laughs> it was like he was high. He was so weird. He was I mean, this is the Jonesy like that we first met, you know, when he was knocking incessantly on Dylan's door. Like when he walked into his house and just like can't tell if he's drunk, if he's high, if he's both, if he's just Completely whacked out. This was him and his element. <laughs> Speaking of when he was knocking on Dylan's door, he's just hitting the enter button repeatedly. <laughs> Did you notice that? He just keeps hitting it. I was like, that doesn't make it go faster. It's like that game, that mini game in Mario Party 3. Yeah. Deep cut. Of the eats the pizza. I'll never not remember this game. And like you and your partner are trying to eat the pizza, like the one half of the pizza faster than the other pairing and you're just hitting a over and over and over as fast as you possibly can and i remember so many different methods that like you know all of us used to have do you do it with your thumb do you do it with your pointer finger do you hold it differently and just like mash 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 (laughs) and that's what jonesy was like in this moment for me that's um hitting rocks and animal crossing Like, you have to, like, hit it really, really fast or else you won't be able to hit it all of the times and get all of your money or whatever. That's a fair point. But, yeah, it's, like, the technique. Like, I have to do it with, like, my thumbnail, but also this. It makes it, I don't know, it, like, double presses it. Anyway, I'm going to stop now. <laughs> I feel like I need a reference, too. I, I mean, uh, this. Let's, anything. Okay, I got it. I got it. Kind of going off of Mario Party. Uh, Pokemon Stadium. Ooh. It's the Magikarp Splash game. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes! We need to jump up and hit the button. But you have to, like, time it perfectly because if he don't, he just, like, flops. Yeah, he just flails. (laughs) He actually splashes instead of jumping. Oh my gosh. Yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah, but that's Jonesy. He, it is like a video game. We just named three video games that um, that use this method. <laughs> Jonesy would be so good at Animal Crossing. His his island would be wild. There would be no order to it, and I would be so stressed. It would be complete randomness and chaos. Yeah. And, okay, so he does the transfer immediately, mm-hmm. which I feel like is a bold move because he did it while Val was still in the house. 
And like, honestly, I was on edge from here on out that the bank was going to call and be like, hey, there was a mysterious transfer out of your account because like they literally just did this to Dylan. Why would they not have alerts set up on their account? Well, and that was my thought too, honestly, about like money being moved out and not having a fraud call. But I was also thinking like online banking was very, very new at this point. So they probably didn't even have triggers set up to then call the person to have the fraudulent warning. That's I mean, very true. that makes like maybe they sense. just didn't have it. But yeah, but to your point, you would have thought something would have happened, at least with Kevin still being in the account while Jonesy was accessing the account. Yeah. Which also, they stole $8 million from Dylan and they still had seven and a half left months later after signing a year-long lease at a resort in Mexico. And he is into piratical materials. That's And also, they only had another $50,000. So presumably, that's what? $450,000 that they spent? Like, that's they, it? Well, and they said they were smuggling. Like, how did they just pick up smuggling to the point that they were good at it and didn't have to spend their own money? Right. And if they did and it was only 450 Gs, like, that's that house that they're in. That's the lease. Like, yeah. that, that's it. Yeah. So... Now it was it was very interesting to me that it, like he went from having eight million to having seven and a half million, and he'll go down to like three point two five or three point seven five, mm-hmm. which is still a lot of millions, but like not a lot to live on. He's gonna need to call Jim Walsh. Oh no! I mean, realistically, he should call someone else, but knowing this show, <laughs> yeah. he will call Jim Walsh. Very true. Very true. Yeah, and Jonesy, like he got the money, he did his job, he packs up, he's ready to go, and Dylan's like. Uh, we didn't get Erica and Jonesy's literally like that wasn't part of my job which to be fair it wasn't he literally just said I'll get your money you pay me half plus expenses and then we're good we're square yeah so Dylan decides to stay in Mexico Val comes home and or back to the hotel and Dylan's like we're gonna get her out using sea glass (laughs) and I was like how 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 yeah no, I didn't get it. I wrote, he wants to use dot, dot, dot glass. Like, <laughs> is he going to throw it through the window? That's literally what I thought. I was like, is he gonna, he's going to break a window. <laughs> That's how he's going to get in to get to her. <laughs> but no, he legitimately just waltzes on in because, oh, waltzes. Eric is practicing <laughs> ballet. And Suzanne walks in just to criticize her on her plies. Of course. And. She's like, you know, if you can't do a proper plie, then why do it at all? And she's like, I don't want to. I don't want a plie. And anyway, Val comes to the house still in her bikini, which sucks. And she gives Erica the sea glass with a wink. And Erica's like, I only gave my most prized sea glass to Dylan. He must be here. Thank God Erica is smart because I would have held this (laughs) glass and been like, I used to have one that looked just like this. Thanks. (laughs) Right, like we've had enough D and D dice to know, like there's several of them out there. Yeah. <laughs> this one's not unique. <laughs> and yeah, so she has come in to pretend like, oh, I was, you know, walking, I was beach combing, and I just need to go up and change, and then we can go to dinner. And so they all get in the car together. Erica goes to have dinner, and this is when Dylan literally just walks into the house. Mm-hmm. But they call from the car phone because they want Erica to take a shower before dinner, which like horrible timing because she's already sat down and there's milk in her glass. Right. Like she can take the shower after. 
And she doesn't want to do any of this to begin with. So fat chance, Eric and uh, Eric, Kevin and Suzanne. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, truly like Erica could make their lives so difficult just by being like, no, you brought me to Brazil and now Mexico against my will. I'm not doing any of this. I'm not showering. Yep. She go on a shower strike. I feel like that's a very kid thing to do. Oh, for sure. Um, but she doesn't. Luckily, she sees Dylan. Dylan, again, is the worst spy. He literally just walks right in and grabs her while the, uh, I think Anna is the maid's name, mm-hmm. is like standing there on the phone with yeah. Suzanne on speakerphone. And then and he Erica- knows Belle's in the car. Exactly. And then Erica, because like it's just an impulse reaction, she's like, Dylan, watch out. And then they're like, Dylan. And then Suzanne pulls a gun on Val. Oh, my God. The most, like, I say this, and I know nothing about guns, but it was, like, the most old school it's unassuming gun. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, I have just, like, this old revolver on me at all times, and I'm just going to, like, flimsily hold it to you, like, from the front seat. And I'm like, oh, cool. We've got some casual gunplay here. And then all of a sudden we flash back to the house, and Felipe has a gun as well, and he looks like he's used a gun before. Yeah, and then this episode takes off. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Suzanne and Kevin come back in with Val, and Dylan tries to be like, uh, I don't know who she is, and they're like, oh, no, we tortured her. We know you work together. I wrote that down, too, because Suzanne says, like, oh, you know, her pain tolerance isn't high. Or, like, yeah, she has a low threshold for pain. Yes. Like, you hit her? Yeah, I was like, you tortured her? What did you do to her? Like, Val needs therapy after this whole situation. Just after the airport meeting with Jonesy, but especially after this. Right. Like, I'm not even kidding. If I was Val, I would have been like, none of this is worth it. I will go back to Buffalo where my mother is having a mental episode. Um. Also, can we talk about the fact that her father killed himself? So the guns are probably hella triggering. Oh, that's a good point. So even take out the whole just like high intense situation. The fact that a gun was pulled on her. That like multiple guns are involved in this house and the people are intent on using them. Yup. Yeah. And like, yeah, they're pointing these guns at Dylan and they're asking like, oh, where's that guy you were with? Where's Jonesy? And Dylan sees him outside and is like, he's right outside. So he gets slapped. They're like, don't be cute. And Dylan's like, I'm not being cute. And then Jonesy barrel rolls into the seat he goes through the glass door he goes through the glass door barrel rose rolls and then shoots everything in sight (laughs) yeah and then it's just like wild after that like kevin tries to run away he pulls a sword dylan just like steps to the side because apparently kevin just collects he doesn't ever learn how to use and so dylan just like moves to the side and then starts punching him a ton Oh my god, I loved it. It was so bad. It was just like whoopsh, whoopsh, whoopsh. Kevin has no blood on his face. There's no, no. there's nothing. They didn't even try to make it look real. But they apparently accomplish everything. And luckily, Jonesy had like called the police or whatever, and they come to get him. And we win. <laughs> I I got so confused. I was like, why are the police here? And then you find out that Jonesy called in false charges that they were planning to kidnap Eric Estrada. But 
that getting them to the police station means that the FBI can extradite them for the fraud charges, which I feel like the FBI could have done without having to lie to the federales. Yeah, it was a flimsy defense at best, but it worked. Yeah, and then, like, there's some cute joking where he's like, oh, I'm going to go do blah, 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 and Dylan's like, that comes out of your cut, and then they're talking, and then, like, Dylan is nowhere to be seen because Erica has been up in her room this entire time. Mm Mm-hmm. And I will say, I did have some feelings when Dylan came in and she was like oh my god I thought they were gonna kill you and he's like no no I'm here and then they hugged and then I realized what are we gonna do with Erica you're not keeping a 12 year old on this show yeah yeah I don't remember what happens to Erica to be honest but yeah like realistically Dylan cannot raise a 12 year old no he can't and this girl is traumatized and now everyone in this episode needs a lot of therapy and Dylan is not equipped to handle that Yeah, and, like, her parental guardians, one is dead and the other is in jail. Well, presumably going to jail. So. Yeah, like, I mean, Dylan is legally old enough to be her guardian, but I just don't envision that happening. I don't either. Especially just on the fact that this show shoots 30-plus episodes every single season, that shooting schedule means you cannot have child actors. Oh, my God, yeah. You can have them as guest stars. Like, that's it. So next episode, they're just going to, like, send her off to a boarding school in, like, Maine or something. Oh, no. Poor Erica. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. But what a wild episode. Like, it was truly, episode. truly entertaining. Kept me on my, the edge of my seat. I, I loved it. I loved it so much. Like, it gave me everything I've asked for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we literally talked about how we wanted to see the Colt stuff and we wanted to see the Dylan stuff. And we we got it in the best way possible because it was only focused on two storylines. Like, sure, we had those little filler scenes, but they at least contributed to the other major plot lines. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, other times where we've had like really serious moment in the main story and then some sort of like attempt at lightheartedness in the other story that's just like so ill-timed and like a poor execution like these were mm-hmm. both went so well oh 100 percent. yeah they were both extremely interesting very dramatic um and overall still had really good performances from like the core not just the core actors but the guest actors too yeah i mean like kevin and suzanne are idiots but like they are believable in the roles that they play and i mean jonesy is just yeah, I have no words for Jonesy. I mean, yeah, like Kevin and Suzanne are Boris and Natasha, you know, but then Jonesy is just in a class on his own. Like, he's so, I like, I wouldn't, he's one of those, um, he's played one of those characters that I would not be able to see as anybody else if this actor were to do other work. Yeah. He's kind of like, and this is a bad, like a good example, but a bad example. He's like Tobias Menzies in Outlander. I cannot see him as anything other than Black Jack Randall. I just cannot. (laughs) Yeah. That's honestly a really good comparison. Yeah. I also loved at the end after the cops show up when Jonesy is like, well, I stuck around because I knew you were going to do something stupid. Oh, yeah. And, and and he even makes that really funny comment, like, honey, your horny husband lost all that money this afternoon. Like, he had some good lines. Yeah. So, I'm going to be honest, I that's my guess for quote of the week for you. Okay. 
your horny husband lost all that money this afternoon. Okay. Mary, what you got? Because I wrote down a good bit of quotes. I'm like scrolling through and I like don't have much. Um, I do have Claire saying things do suck because <laughs> she's right. They do. It's true. Um, I'm a taxidermist, Jonesy. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's yeah, that's it. That's the only quotes I wrote. Okay. So I actually we didn't talk about this one. Um, but I just love again the delivery, like things like that about it. It was when um Valerie and Dylan were talking outside when Dylan was still carrying all the luggage. And, you know, Dylan like thanks Valerie for coming down and all this. And she just looks at him and like kind of cuts her eyes at him and she goes, I should have made you beg. And I just loved it because we talked about how Dylan is very much in control in this relationship. And this felt a little bit of like a tide turning, you know, that that Valerie does have a little bit of control. She just needs to use it. So, and, you know, I was even trying to think of a Valerie quote, but I just didn't write a lot of them down just because like for 80% of this episode, she is being like just ogled and leered at. And I just couldn't, I was like, I'm skeevy. I can only write about that. I can't write anything that anyone's saying. Well, and it's fair. It's like most of the time she's being used as a pawn, and this was one of the few times she was using someone or potentially using someone else as a pawn, or at least like doing the whole, yeah, you owe me now, and um, I always cash in. Like One day I'll collect. Yeah, like mm, like very <laughs> much like I'm going to do this thing. I'm in control, and I love that about her. So, uh, Mary, was your, quote, was your moment of the week the entire episode? <laughs> Almost. It was literally Jonesy and Val working together and kicking ass because they were so good. They were like they so were such a good, good team. I love them. It's true. Like I want a spinoff that's just Jonesy and Val scamming scammers <laughs> forever. I want it. And Dylan can wear his clip on tie and be their driver. Oh my gosh. He's the okay. getaway driver. But, like, this would have been an amazing backdoor pilot to give Jonesy his own show. Oh, yes. my God, yeah. Oh, like, for sure. I, I would pay to see the character of Jonesy every single week and just, like, a rotating cast of characters. And then, yeah, every now and then Val shows up because he's worked with her before. Oh, man. And I'm, like, I don't know why. I'm getting a very, like, 1950s or 60s period kind of show here. And I can just see Val in, like, kind of a tilted hat. And, like, I don't know. That that look would just work for her. Just dress her up like Carmen Sandiego. Yes. (laughs) And Jonesy, he can just do whatever the fuck he's doing. It's working (laughs) for him. He's going to anyway, so. Right. You can't tell Jonesy what to wear. He's just going to do what he wants. As long as he's got that pillow between his knees when he sleeps, he's good. (laughs) Every episode ends with him going to sleep with the pillow between his knees. (laughs) Love that for him. Me too. Just it's the little things with this episode. It's it really is. It was um, so fun. I have a runner up for a moment of the week, and it's literally just ten seconds of Boomy on the beach. Oh my god, Boomy loved the beach. Boomy let him go on vacation. <laughs> what if there was just an episode where we just couldn't hear anybody, and they were like, "The Boomite guy's on vacation." <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He wasn't very good anyway. <laughs> 
I do like I do really wonder whose job it was to catch that. Like obviously it's like the director, but also you've got like first AD and like all these people in charge of making sure the boom doesn't get in frame. Well, and yeah, like was this part of the transference to like digital so it could be on DVD and it could be on streaming? And if that's the case, then like CBS cut the most corners. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, wow. Which I I, guess I expect that of CBS, but. (laughs) It's just so wild. I've never seen a show where the boom mic was as prevalent as the main cast. Seriously. (laughs) But like, it's got to be something like that. I mean, that's what happened with Buffy when they remastered it. Like, it's got to be something like that. You know what? I'm going to have to look at like Gilmore Girls because it wasn't that long ago, but it was like 2000 to 2007 and they did make it in HD. Mm-hmm. So I'll have to like go back, twist my arm, make me watch Gilmore <laughs> Girls. But I want to see if Boomy makes an appearance in those. Yeah, I would be very curious because that's about the time that Buffy was running. And like, mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing Booms, but that's because like I haven't watched the HD remasters the whole way through. But I mean, like, like I told y'all on that episode, like, there are times where it is like blatantly obvious that like crew members are in the shots. <laughs> I just can't believe that. That's so wild. It's bizarre. <laughs> Ugh. Oh. Okay. So what's next week? Is it remotely going to be as good as this one? Man, I don't know. And I will say this episode on IMDb was rated 7.2. Oh, that's um, like actually kind of high, I think. Well, and I'm I'm scrolling back, and this season we had gotten another 7.2. Yeah, so it looks like these are our first and only thus far in this season seven or higher ratings, and the other one that got the 7.2 rating was the fire episode. Oh, okay. Yep, which, I mean, I th- we liked that episode too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so and, and for the most part, these episodes are getting mid to low sixes, some high sixes, things like that. So these are definitely the highest rated episodes thus far per IMDb. Okay. Um, so that's fun. And we agree with it. So that's fun, too. But yeah, so next week, we've got ep- uh, season five, episode 19, Little Monsters. I'm, I'm sure that means something, but I don't know. Like, I'm thinking of like the little green monster, like Envy and that kind of thing. Yeah. I immediately thought of, well, I immediately thought of Lady Gaga, but Mm -hmm. if only, (laughs) yeah. But then I thought of like demons, you know, like your own personal demons. Mm -hmm. So, and I have not read the synopsis, nor will I, let me scroll so I don't. But so thinking like maybe we're dealing with some personal demons because there's a lot of them out there potentially. I mean, with the cult and all that. So I guess children. I mean, that was my other thought, but I didn't want to be too on brand for myself. (laughs) Well, I guess we will find out next week. It's a Hannah episode. Oh, my God. It's it's her origin story. (laughs) I would love – honestly, I kind of would love if they just, like, went a little weird with the show every now and then and just, yeah, did an episode where you followed the baby throughout the day. I mean, it's – Kind of like how Barry did that random episode of that child who's part animal or something. That episode was so good. 
right. Well, I guess we'll find out who the little monsters are next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. You can also shoot us over an email of your questions, your comments, your thoughts, your concerns. Did you love this episode as much as we did? Um, let us know and send us an email at Back2Podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, do all the different things. You share it with your friends and family so you can build our little podcast family. Whatever's in there. If you give us a five-star review, we'll give you a shout-out on the pod. And until next week, I am going to go find a big game of checkers. I am a, a big collector of piratical materials. And I am a nice glass of eggy beer. Bye. Bye. See ya.